Welcome into this week's episode of Cape Podcast. I'm your host, Emma Carmen. We are so excited to welcome in Brandon Bailey to today's episode. Brandon was a part of the 2015 Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox and is now a professional pitcher with the Cincinnati Reds. Brandon, thanks so much for coming on this evening. We're super excited to have you on. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good, Emma, and I really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, obviously, the Cape Cod was one of the best summers of my life and a lot of really great experiences with YD and uh, just a crazy summer and uh, it's come full circle and kind of reminisce. It's, it should be a fun conversation. Yeah, for sure. So as I mentioned, obviously, summer of 2015 feels so far back from now. You know, what was like the biggest impact that summer as a whole had on you, especially now in 2022? I think it's a combination of a couple things. First off, the friendships that I made uh, with my teammates at YD, but then also just looking back and seeing the connection of all the professional athletes that I play against now that I played against then, it's honestly insane. Like you think about Bobby Dalback, uh, Ronnie Dawson, who's actually living with me right now uh, for spring training. We're staying in the same house, uh, competing against him, Donnie Walton, uh, Stephen Wren, like so many, so many talented players. Uh, that still play today. Shane Bieber was on my team for a quick moment in time. You know, I, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the players that were playing that summer and, you know, just uh, right on the Cape Cod and it's such a talented league, uh, the friendships that were made, but then also just the amount of talent that was in one uh, central point and to see how far everyone's come in their careers is just truly remarkable. So the memories and the friendships for sure. That's great. And obviously you mentioned all the talent that's there in that summer of 2015, like who were a couple standout people that you remember either playing with or pitching against anything like that? Uh, Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think Uh, Ricky Tyler Thomas on YD for us that summer was unbelievable. I think he didn't lose a game and I think he was the all-star game starter for the East, if I'm not mistaken, he was for sure in the all-star game. I, I just remember him absolutely dominating the entire year super impressive to watch and I think he's still uh working his way up with the Texas Rangers right now so it's fun to keep in contact with Ricky but he was definitely probably the most impressive pitcher I saw outside of Mitchell Jordan uh who was also a teammate of mine back when I got drafted in Oakland in 2016 uh I I don't remember the exact streak that he went on but I think it was like 30 some innings plus without giving up a run it's just unbelievable Mm -hmm. Uh, so those were the two standout pitchers that I remember for sure. Um, and then hitter wise, it's, I, I mentioned Ronnie Dawson before, but he hit a home run off of me at Orleans that I don't think that ball has landed yet. Uh, <laughs> it was a absolute moonshot, but honestly, that whole Orleans lineup that summer was just unbelievable. I think just all the way around the horn, like and all, all across the field, they were just super stacked. You got like Sean Murphy, who's the starting catcher for the A's behind the dish. Bobby Dalbeck at third, who's the starting first baseman slash third baseman for the Red Sox. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Ronnie Dawson, obviously a very talented player. Uh, Bryson Brigman, who I think is still with Miami at this point, but super, super great player there as well. The, the list goes on and on. That Orleans team was just stacked. But uh, Ronnie Dawson and Bobby Dowback were definitely two big standout hitters that I faced that summer. That's great. So friendships, hey, they last forever when you make them in the cave. Yeah, That's absolutely. Great. 
So um, obviously, you know, big game for you was, I'm going to give you a throwback now, pitching six innings in the game that clinched the championship. You know, kind of take me through that moment um, when you're on the mound there, game three, last game of the summer. What were you thinking then? Oh, man. You know, I w- I'm not even going to lie. I was so nervous. Uh, <laughs> that was the most, like, probably outside of my big league debut, that was probably the most nervous I felt for any start in my career. Uh, just going into that final game, it was a really close series with Hyannis, uh, and we were just battling the first two games back and forth, just really, really intense series. And it all came down to that last game, like, you know, winner, winner take all, and just for all the marbles. And just for me to not only start opening day uh, on the Cape in Chatham uh, was a huge honor in itself, but to come full circle and to see how much I had developed just in a matter of a couple of months and how much I'd improved under coach pick and then Matt Blake being my pitching coach. I just learned so much uh, and to come full circle, but then be able to perform the way I did in such a big moment. I'll never forget like fans completely surrounded the field all the way in the outfield in Hyannis and my mom and dad were able to fly in to watch the game and catch it just in the nick of time. And just the amount like of emotion that was into it, like the energy in the, in the, at the ballpark was just unbelievable. And it was just, from the moment I stepped on the rubber and I threw that first pitch, it was, I knew I was on, I felt really good. And, uh, just to perform the way I did, uh, I was super proud of myself for how I um, competed and how the composure I showed and just to give us a shot to win. And then obviously you got Ben Bowden, the big left-hander from Vanderbilt that came in and backed me up, uh, and just shut the door. Uh, just super, super exciting series, super exciting game. And, uh, it's a memory that I'll never forget. You mentioned the coaches, you know, obviously you only have about three months in any summer league. What kind of impact did they have on you and what kind of lessons did they teach you that you kind of took with you now into playing professional? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, obviously Scott Pickler is just a legend on the Cape and just a legend in the college baseball slash summer world. Um, he basically taught me just for the early stages of how to be a pro, you know, what is it? What are these pro scouts looking for? Like when you are ha- have a bad outing, like how do you need to compose yourself? Um, you know, some good habits to get into just from the very start, showing up to the field early, you know, taking pride in everything that you do because they're always, all scouts are always watching uh, whether you're playing that day, not playing, like what's your pregame routine on start day or what are you doing on days that you're not pitching? Like what is your in-between start routine look like? Um, so many things that he just really taught me attention to detail, but then also the early stages of how to be a pro. And then with coach Matt Blake, it's honestly insane to think that I, my summer college pitching coach is now the big league pitching coach for the New York Yankees working with like Garrett Cole every day, like to have that level of coaching in the Cape Cod is just unbelievable. And uh, at the time, Matt was still working at Cressy performance up there on the East coast. So he was really big into helping me learn about the importance of hip mobility and T-spine uh, like rotation and just like trying to be very mobile with my body and uh, how important recovery was in between outings. But then also Matt was just had such a way of just like teaching me how to pitch, uh, sequencing pitches, learning how to set up hitters and how to attack guys with the stuff that I currently had. Um, so very, very valuable stuff, very advanced and super thankful for the opportunity to play under those guys. 
So with all that advice that they gave you, obviously, I know a lot of people probably viewing, listening this, either are going to be players within the Cape or hope to be one day. What kind of advice do you have for anyone listening when it comes to, you know, playing within the Cape and obviously taking every day as a new experience because it flies by in three months? Yeah, soak up every moment because the summer is going to fly by. And if you're lucky enough to play two summers in the Cape, obviously more power to you. But for most guys, it's probably just going to be three months and it's going to be probably like when they say don't be like, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Like that quote is literally like just defines what the Cape Cod Baseball League is. It's it's baseball in its most innocent form it's like it's purest form too it's genuinely just all about like just american summer nights and you got people from these small little towns that are getting behind their local team and you know just you're getting to play with some of like the very very best players in college baseball for one summer and you just get to be a kid you know and soak up every moment you can because it flies by but then also make sure you're taking the time to experience like Massachusetts and what the Cape Cod has there's a lot of history there uh, and a lot of fun things to do beautiful beaches and I think it's you got to have that balance like obviously that drive to try and become a professional athlete is first and foremost your number one goal but also just soak up that those summer moments because they're uh, really great memories for sure. With all those summer moments too I'm sure you stayed at a host family so kind of what was your summer like with your host family? Kind of any memories with them down there? Yeah, so uh, Bob and Fran uh, were my hosts, a mom and dad, and I still keep in contact with them today. Uh, I tell this joke all the time. If anybody's seen the move, movie Up, uh, Mr. Fredrickson, Bob is literally the spitting image of Mr. Fredrickson in real <laughs> life. I swear, he literally is, uh, it's identical. Like even his mannerisms and like his just attitude, it's, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen, but they were the sweetest uh, old couple welcomed me into their home. And, right. I could walk uh, from the driveway to Dennis beach and be there in like five minutes, just absolutely just beautiful uh, colonial home right on the Cape. And they were just the hospitality and like, they're just welcoming me into their homes with open arms and just, I'll never forget it. It was, they were such great friends to me and like people that I still stay in contact with this day. And I hope to see them again really soon. So uh, those bonds, not even just with your teammates, your coaches, but your host families, uh, those are memories and experiences that you will never forget. Were you by yourself with your host family or did you have any other teammates? No, uh, David Ellingson uh, was my teammate and I'm pretty sure he's maybe still pitching with the Mariners. I'm almost positive he is, but uh, Georgetown relief pitcher, you know, mid nineties with a nasty slider. Uh, I remember just like great memories of coming home from a game and Bob would make his famous chop suey, which is basically just like uh, some sort of pasta, like mixed together. And it was super good. And we would play phase 10. I had never played before, if you can believe that. And I'm a college college person and I've never played phase 10. And we would just play for hours and it would be so much fun. And just those are like little things that you won't forget. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You mentioned that, you know, exploring Massachusetts, what do you think some of your like top three memories were there outside maybe of baseball related things that you were able to experience? Yeah. So I remember uh, we had a workout uh, where we could actually, we went actually went out to Fenway park uh, as a league and basically did like a workout for scouts and for pitchers. It was more so just to be a tourist for the day and experience Fenway because 
and they didn't let us throw bullpens or anything, but I got to shag BP uh, and things like that. And just, just be a baseball player on a big league field for a day. And it was, it was just super cool. Uh, so me being the baseball nerd that I am and just like a history nut, there was just something about stepping on a field, knowing that like Ted Williams and Babe Ruth and Carly Stremski, Mickey Mantle, like so many talented players have like stepped on that field and just to like share that same energy with them like it was just made me feel really connected to the game so that was really powerful but then after that my parents and my grandparents were in town we actually went and did the Boston Tea Party Museum thing and I got to throw like a fake box of tea into the river or into the harbor and that was cool because like I said I'm a U.S. history nut so I just eat that stuff up and then last but not least like um, going up to uh, Plymouth Rock and it was actually kind of funny. It's like very anticlimactic because you think so you think it's going to be this like ginormous rock and it's just going to be like, you know, like this glow of light just beaming on it. And you just walk over and you're just like, this is not what I was expecting. It's like not very, not very exciting. But at the same time, I thought it was cool because like I said, I love U.S. history. But those were three memories that um, just in terms of experiencing Massachusetts, experiencing the experiencing the Boston area and the Cape uh, that I'll never forget. So I know you mentioned obviously amazing summer within the Cape and then you mentioned debut stuff. So obviously you had your debut quite an interesting time, you know, July of 2020 mid pandemic, kind of what was it like versus most normal professional debuts that people have? It was just such a weird situation, you know, because we go from well, for one, I was rule five to the Orioles at first. So I did spring training, the normal spring training of 2020. I was in Baltimore and then COVID happened and they returned me to the Astros. And then it was kind of just like a waiting game, right? Uh, just every day trying to stay in the best shape that I could under quarantine, you know, just getting really creative, trying to do workouts in the house and then uh, going and throwing with this high school kid uh, that was down the street just to try and keep my arm in shape and just kind of waiting to hear like, what is the plan? And then literally I think I got the call um, late June from Houston that I was invited to be a part of the 60 team uh, pool or the 60 player excuse me pool for the Astros to try and do spring training 2.0 and they were like can you get down to Houston in two days or something like that so I literally just threw all my stuff in my truck and I drove down there and um, it was just such a crazy experience because I remember not really having any expectations I was just super thankful to be one of the 60 players that actually got to practice and work out and work on my game. So I was looking at it more of just an opportunity to get better. Um, But I guess um, there must obviously Dusty Baker and Brent Strom and company uh, saw something in me that they felt, um, you know, I had shown enough during spring training 2.0 that I had earned a right to be in the bullpen. And um, it's obviously to have Dusty Baker, one of the most like historical, like major league managers of all time. And, like some of the like baseball moments that he's been a part of to have somebody that influential and that impactful tell me that I'm a major league baseball player is man crazy and then the first player that told me congratulations was Justin Verlander on making the team so like it's literally like a dream it's like a movie I it's something that I will always like replay like vividly in my brain and I can feel those emotions right now just talking about it but so surreal and even though there weren't fans in the stands like just simply like looking out in Minute Maid Park and I'm a teammate of George Springer 
Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Josh Reddick, Michael. I could literally go the down the list. The, the, the team was unbelievable. And I'm just like, I'm on the same baseball field playing in the same game as these players. And they're my teammates. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so surreal. And I, it's something that I, I will forever be so proud of myself because these are players that I looked up to growing up watching Justin Verlander pitch for the Tigers. And it's like for, for that moment in time, like, you know, we were equals in a sense, like it was my job to help him win this baseball game. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. Amazing. So for anyone who obviously you probably have little ones looking up to you, whether it's kids in, you know, high school, college, what kind of advice do you have for them? I know finally realizing like your teammates with all these amazing people, the advice that you would give to anyone who's looking to kind of be, make that professional debut. Yeah. So in, in terms of like playing with these like superstar players is like, you have to have that sense of perspective where it's okay to be starstruck, but at the end of the day, you have to collect yourself and be like, there's a reason that I'm here. It's because I'm really good at baseball and I belong on the same field as these guys. And as a competitor, it's like, you have to believe wholeheartedly in yourself. Uh, once I step between the lines, when I step on the mound, it, like no offense to Justin Verlander, cause he's like the greatest pitcher of our generation. But when I'm on the mound, I believe I'm the greatest pitcher on the planet. And I think that's something that any competitor, you have to believe in yourself first and foremost, and you have to believe in your craft and you have to trust like all the training and all the hours you spent working on your game, that all of those, the, all of those hours logged will pay off in the long run and you just have to be a competitor and and try to give your team the best shot to win but then in terms of just trying to become a professional athlete uh first and foremost I genuinely believe good things happen to good people um so first off be a good person you know be a good student um because if you're not uh if you're clowning off in the classroom and those things matter scouts pay attention to those things be a good person, try to give back to your community, listen to your mom and dad, be respectful of your elders. Um, because I genuinely think good, like I said, good things happen to good people and the universe will reward people uh, that try to just leave the, the earth a better place than they found it. And then also have that drive and that motivation just to know that there's always somebody better than you. So never stop working, never stop working on your game. The best advice. <laughs> Love it. So from um, obviously playing with Gonzaga, then playing summer ball in the Cape to grinding within the minors and now to majors, kind of what kind of transitions did you have to make both like mentally and physically to get where you are today? Oh, I mean, huge transitions, you know, at every level that you climb, the uh, cream only rises to the top, top right. And uh, every level that you go through, it's like the competition only gets better and better strike zone gets smaller the hitters get tougher um, the game is faster Um, so just being able to be comfortable being uncomfortable being able to adapt on the fly uh, being able to handle adversity because you will fail it's impossible not to fail in this game Um, so being able to have a short-term memory uh, like I said trusting in your training but also having that drive and that that motivation to continue to want to work on your craft because uh, this game will humble you very fast. Um, but yeah, I would say just being able to adapt on the fly and just uh, being able to handle adversity are two, two keys to success for sure. Obviously you faced, you know, a couple, there's ups and downs within every sport, especially baseball. And it's obviously a long journey. 
I know you've had quite that journey when it comes to some injury stuff back in high school, then last spring with UCL, what was the recovery process like with that? You know, obviously pandemic was hard enough Then that on top of it kind of, how did you get through that all? Uh, just having a really great support system with my family. Um, you know, my immediate family, my mom, my dad, and my sister, Bree, um, they were, have been with me, uh, through my first TJ back when I was 17 in high school. And they're obviously still here for me, supporting me, uh, through my second round go around, but, uh, just having a good support system, but then also understanding that, uh, every, I genuinely believe everything happens for a reason. Uh, and now ha- coming full circle and finally getting to touch a, a mound again and throwing again. And, um, I think that I was at a point in my life where for whatever reason, the universe was like, you need a break. You need a break from the game, you know, cause I think, uh, I was kind of mentally exhausted from all of like the, the time and effort and the energy put into trying to make my big league dream become a reality. And I think in the weirdest way, the universe was like, you need some balance. You just need some time away from the game to just work on yourself, but also just be a normal person, you know? Um, but getting through it, I would say just trying to take the time to do things that I don't normally have time to do being a baseball player. Um, I wanted, I've always wanted to learn how to country swing dance, uh, took that up and I've gotten really good at it, which is fun. And reading books, just exploring like the greater Phoenix area, going for hikes, trying new restaurants, just, uh, things that it was almost like I was feeling my emotional tank, uh, with motivation, like an energy, just in terms of like, all right, when I'm finally able to get back in the gym and I'm finally able to start throwing again, I'm going to attack it, my rehab and my recovery with reckless abandonment, because I genuinely miss the game. I miss competing. I list, I miss the environment. I miss the lights and the fans and everything like that. And now it was like the perfect reset. Uh, obviously I wish I didn't have to go through a major injury to have that, (laughs) like that reset. But at the end of the day, I, I just, I'm thankful for my time as being a two-time TJ survivor, because uh, I hope that I can also be someone that people can look up to and look, look to for insight and experience. And like, Hey, like, you know, you came back from two Tommy Johns, like, like what worked for you and um, what did you do to get through it? Um, So if I can just help, future generations of baseball players in any way that I can from this experience, uh, I would definitely say that would be uh, the biggest positive that came from this situation. So obviously when it comes to your schedule now, obviously super busy, you know, not mentioning, mentioning, not having much time to do things on the outside. How are you going to be able to prioritize kind of both now baseball and keeping that same level of that extra stuff on the side now that you've kind of experienced both sides (laughs) of perspective? yeah, so I think obviously you have as a baseball player, we have to look at our lives almost like in in a drawer or like a chest a chest in my opinion. So it's like when I show up to the field, like I'm opening my baseball drawer, right? And this is like me getting my work in for the day, my training, my recovery, whatever that may be. But the moment I leave the stadium, whether it's I had a good game, a bad game, or if it was just a practice session, the moment I drive off the parking lot, it's like I'm closing that baseball drawer. And I'm opening up something else, whether that be if I'm in a relationship at that point in time, trying to be the best boyfriend that I can be, or if I need to call my mom and dad and just catch up with family, trying to be the best son I can be. Or if it's like, hey, like I got to go home and work on my master's program. I need to be the best student I can be. So just understanding that uh, being able to separate 
uh, work and my professional career uh, versus like when I'm at home and all of the other hats that I wear as a person. Uh, I think that's uh, very important for sure. Do you have any last advice or stories for any of our viewers or listeners, whether it's about Cape stuff, playing professionally, family stuff, advice or anything like that? Uh, I think I already kind of touched on everything already, but I genuinely believe that good things happen to good people. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there's always going to be somebody more talented and better than you. So never lose that like inner fire and drive to try and be the best version of yourself because you never know when it's going to be your last game. Uh, you never know when they're going to take the ball away from you. So you got to soak up every last moment you can. You know, I'm thankful that I've been able to play this game until I was 27 years old, but I'm, I'm hungry. Like I want to play till I'm 40. So I've got to do everything humanly possible to uh, try and accomplish that goal, whether that's, you know, staying healthy, uh, training, uh, whatever I've got to do to try and make that become a reality. So just never take it for granted and just soak up every moment you can because time does fly and you can't get it back. Very true. So last thing before we end this episode, so you have to answer five questions, fastest answer that you can think of. So oh the first God. one, <laughs> the first one, I have to ask, where was your favorite spot on the Cape? Whether it was a restaurant, a beach, anywhere specific. Oh my gosh. I, I, I can't, think of the place it's a breakfast place in Dennis and it's super crowded all the time oh my gosh I cannot they have like really good cinnamon rolls I want to say I can't remember it's a insert breakfast here. diner huh? <laughs> I said it, insert it, right I, here whatever it is yeah exactly if you can like if you can look it up or like we clip this like it's a breakfast diner on the cape and it's amazing I, okay. I can't tell you what it is but it was incredible best cinnamon rolls I think that's what they were. I don't remember exactly what I had. I just remember the line was always out the door and it was always like an hour wait, but it was so worth it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. All right. Next one. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Oh my gosh. <laughs> does throwing, does throwing 105 count? <laughs> <that a> superpower? <laughs> oh man. Uh, no, I think uh, teleportation would be really sweet um, just simply because especially for what I do uh, logging those hours in the air or on the bus traveling from place to place it really takes a toll on your body and it, you have to really have a really dialed recovery and like routine in place uh, with all that travel as a professional athlete so if I could just be like hey we're playing in New York tomorrow and just boom I'm in New York that would be pretty sweet but then also just like hey like I want to go home to Colorado and see my family. Boom, I'm there. That would be pretty awesome. Maybe one day. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Um, what is one thing people don't know about you? Uh, I mean, if you know me, you probably know this about me, but I'm like a movie quote nut. It's kind of bad. Like I can't sometimes like I'll just apply movie quotes into like real life situations and then I, I can't turn it off. And I can literally do like a whole whole scene of like a movie and most of the time it's inappropriate movies so I, please don't ask me to like put me on the spot okay, I'd pick like <laughs> I'd pick like Talladega Nights or like Step Brothers or Dodgeball and I don't think the the fans need to hear me they go on a dodgeball rant they can yeah. watch it if they're interested they know <laughs> yeah exactly exactly all right but yeah um, I, I'm just weird weird ability to just memorize movie quotes 
That's impressive. I'm not like that. Yeah. If you could spend an afternoon with any athlete in history, who would it be and why? Oh my gosh. Wow. That is such a tough question because there's so many people that I could pick right now. You can try a couple if you have to. Okay. Can I'll, I'll do a, I'll do a current athlete. And then like one, like maybe that is passed on. I'm going to say my favorite pitcher growing up was Tim Lincecum. And just to like spend a day with Tim Lincecum and talk pitching, go to In-N-Out Burger, hang out, maybe play a little bit of video games. Like the 2K, was it 2K, MLB 2K, like 09, he was on the cover athlete. Just like to be able to just to like experience a day with Tim Lincecum and talk about his like, like five-year stretch of just pure dominance in the league mm-hmm. uh, just being like a short pitcher like myself would be unreal uh but then maybe somebody that's passed on no actually I won't do passed on I, I think I think Michael Jordan or Tom Brady would mm-hmm. be really sweet too just because like you hear about their mentality and or Kobe Bryant geez I just listed like three other dudes hey, but like nice. all three of those athletes it's like yeah their mentality and the way they approach the game and the way they approach competition and the way they approach their recovery and just everything about what they do had has significant meaning and it's well thought out and planned I think any three of those athletes would have been unbelievable just to experience like one day or one meal with those those people just because it's just like I feel like the conversation would just be so organic and free flowing. I would just, it would be unbelievable. Also impactful too. Yes, absolutely. So last question. Uh, If you have one, what is your baseball superstition or ritual? See, I'm, I'm not a big superstition guy personally, but I guess like I I just follow the standard, like don't step on the line. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I guess I follow that one. I don't really have any like, big rituals it's like I have to do this because I I, again I touched on being able to adapt on the fly right Mm -hmm. uh sometimes you're not going to be able to follow your pregame routine to the T and you've got to be okay with that and you still got to go perform and get the guy out so besides like not stepping on the line I don't really feel like there's much I that is like superstitious I guess you could say that's pitchers it's always the line I swear (laughs) yeah yeah I guess so All right. Well, that's it for today, Brandon. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hey, thank you, Emma, for having me. This is Emma Carmen signing off from Cape League Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well as follow us on social media at official CCBL on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for all listening and have a wonderful week.